Hi, this is Soul Persona, and you're listening to the Diamond Soul Experience with DJ Radu. WABL. New rules, new music. Download the app or stream on ablradio.com. It's the Diamond Soul Experience. The Diamond Soul Experience with DJ Radu. Make it obvious. My breath in my clothes on the desk
brand new fits for you. Make sure that you look good. Make sure that I smell good. Let's purchase two new Bentleys. I know that it looks trendy. So glad that it's not windy. Here comes that girl named Donnie. Ask if she wants to go. Tonight's gonna be hot for sure. Big dancing on the floor. Folks tripping, I don't know. Money flying everywhere. Champagne, we won't go there. Bottles popping in the air. They'll be screaming, I don't care. Ones with misery. 
Cause I'm not them No What's the point of holding on to what used to be so tightly Still looking for blame Replaying all the same
I am DJ Radu. We're joined today by producer, label head, musician, soul persona. What's going on, man? How you doing, mate? You all right? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Yeah, all good. Just, uh, you know, enjoying this uh, autumn. This, uh, you call it the fall over there, don't you? A lovely November with all the autumn leaves. Very right. nice. <laughs> I don't know exactly how I found out about you. I don't know if... It was maybe Deborah Bund or Simon S, or I just found out about you on SoundCloud. But when I first heard your production, I was immediately impressed. You have a, a sound that we don't really hear that often anymore. So I just wanted to say thank you for what you do, man, for the music. Wow, that, that's that's really kind of you. Th- thank you. Glad you, you you think that highly of it. Really, really appreciate it. <laughs> I really want to get some background from you. Where are you from? Well, I was born in Wales and grew up on a little farmhouse. Um, my mum and dad used to grow their own vegetables and stuff, and we were just sort of in this wilderness for, for a while. And after about five years, I moved to the south of England, grew up in the south of England, and then moved to London. Now I'm in Brighton, which is by the sea on the south coast of England. So that that's my uh, that's my history right there from where I'm from. <laughs> so so how did you get into music? My musical background is well, obviously we always had sort of instruments in the house. Uh, my dad's a, a bit of a guitarist and plays a bit of piano as well. So I always sort of played piano by ear just sort of messing about my real passion was the drums I just love the drums and I, I played drums all the way through school really and um, yeah so that, it all started off with the drums and the piano really for me but I'm not too great on the piano and I'm not too great on the drums but I'm more of a groove player you know <laughs> <laughs> how do you go from having a guitar piano in the house enjoying the drums to becoming a producer how, how, how did that happen Quite, quite by accident. It was a bit, bit of a journey. <laughs> I was always in bands at school, but nobody really liked the music which I liked, which was a lot of sort of soulful stuff, really. I used to listen to all the, the hip-hop, you know, Eric B and Rakeem and Big Daddy Kane and Easy Moby, all, all those all those rappers I, I used to love. And I used to love not only the rap, but the productions, how they sampled all these old records and I think that sort of took me into my love of jazz funk and trying to dig deep into what jazz funk and soul work records they were sampling as well. And then sort of, you know, going go to a record shop and finding, say, a Barry White record and saying, wow, that, that, that's a sample that, you know, people I can see how smooth used or something. 
and you know I think that that's what really sort of boosted me into that direction yeah it's it's, it's a it's a funny one isn't it where, where all your inspirations come from you only sort of realize once you start talking about them <laughs> right it's funny that you say that because I remember going into a record store a guy picked out Smith and Wesson's The Shining album and yeah. It was the samples, the samples yeah. that grabbed me. I found out about, I think, Bobby Humphrey, Roar Ayers, yeah. you know, all from that one album. And I know you mentioned Barry White, etc. Were there any other albums that you discovered during that time that influenced your sound? Oh, there was, there was, uh, you know, Dexter Wanzel's Life on Mars album. And I, I think one of the ones that really sort of, there were two that hit me where it hurt. Well, there was three, actually. And... The first one was obviously the first time I heard What's Going On, that album just blew my mind really. And then I went on to discover I, I Want You, that was that's my all-time favourite, you know, the one he did with Leon Ware. Right. And, and that that album is just one of the pinnacles of greatness, I think. And and then he released Trouble Man. Uh, you know, they released that later on in the sort of late 90s, didn't they? It had been sort of locked up in a vault for years. And when I heard that and knew that Marvin Gaye produced it as well, played most of the instruments on it, I, I, I just had such a respect and I thought, I want to do something like that. But I didn't know how to go about it. So I, the first thing I had to do was stop getting drunk and fighting in my hometown because I lived in quite a sort of small town and my life was just beginning to go a little bit off the rails because every Thursday, Friday and Saturday night I'd be out getting drunk, getting rowdy and, you know, the music was taking a back seat. So I decided to move to London and just sort of, you know, leave the whole thing and try and get a focus on what I wanted to do. And I had a few musician friends up there, one, one of them being Punk Papa, the bass player who plays on most of my albums if there's live bass on it. And he lived up there at the time, so I literally just went up there and, you know, just started getting involved in the music scene. Just not as anything in particular, but just, uh, you know, just getting involved in it and seeing what it was about. And then I bought like a Yamaha QY70, which is like a little sort of beat making thing. It had like keyboard sounds on it and drum kits and you could plug it into a MIDI keyboard and, you know, you could make your own production sort of like over sort of 16 bars or 8 bars. And I just started doing stuff like that. And in my spare time, living in a little flat in a little room and that was the only thing I had. And then a few people liked my songs and then two years later, I got a manager who, who, who liked some of my songs and then I was uh, working in a garage music situation for a label called Pure Silk and I was, I was just sort of making this sort of UK garage sound but with a soulful touch, I used to hire in Fender Rhodes pianos and you know, just they didn't really like it too much because their sound was a bit more underground but you know, I sort of cut my teeth doing that and then from the money I earned from that, I bought my first ever sort of little studio set up and just carried on making all these grooves and music and I didn't have anyone to, to, to play them to or I didn't have anyone to, for, to sing on them or anything. So I was just making all these grooves and then by chance I had a meeting with a manager friend of mine said there, that Jocelyn Brown was looking for producers to work with. So I turned up to one of these producer meetings and there was about 20 guys in there, 
all playing this hard house music and I was thinking, oh, they're not going to like my stuff. Because obviously I, I was a bit of a nerd. I knew all about her disco days. I knew about her collaborations with you know, the South Soul Orchestra and Change and Clear. And so I was a bit star- starstruck, really. Right. Um, she was listening to all these songs and then I, I was about to leave and she sort of pointed me out and said, no, 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 I want to hear your stuff. And I was like, oh, no, you won't, you won't like my stuff. You'll be, it's not house music. And she said, no, put it on. And then she put it on and she listened to so much of it, all the producers left and it was just me and her left in the room. And, uh, and I was like, wow, this is great. And then she gave me her number and I didn't call her for three months. And then when I did, she asked me where the hell I'd been. I went down there and then I worked for her for five years as a personal assistant, sort of learning the ropes and, you know, meeting people and, you know, just one, for example, one morning I'd walk into her house and there was a lady in the kitchen and I sort of recognised her and she asked me if I wanted a cup of tea. And I was like, yeah, all right, cool. Do I want a bit of a joint? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be it. And no, no problem. You know, we all sat down. And then I said, what's your name? And she said, Patty, Patty Austin. And I'm like, all right. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and then I'd walk in other times and Roy Ayers would be on the sofa, just sort of chilling out, watching the football um, on a cable TV. And all these people were around me and, you know, I, I could pick their brains. Oliver Cheatham get down at Saturday night. <laughs> I went on to be his personal assistant for two years. Of course, he died like two years ago now. But yeah, I just sort of really got mentored by all the old school folk, really. They just encouraged me to, you know, make music because I wasn't going to. I was about to give up, to be honest, before I met her. And she just always encouraged me. She took me under her wing. And I learned about the music business from her, basically, and met all these wonderful people. And I left the company, but we're still very good friends. But I, I left to go and sort of spread my wings. And that's when I spent two years being a van driver and a music teacher. And I released Solar Coaster. And then it was the producer was born. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit long winded. No, 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 that, that was perfect. You went from point A all the way to Solar Coaster, which is 2009. But let's back it up a little bit. Right now, I'm really confounded. The fact that you're able to walk into a room and these people are there. You know, most people would die to be in the same room with. And you're oh, able to, to converse with them on, on an almost regular basis. Almost like a revolving door of knowledge. Oliver Cheatham, Patty Austin, Roy Ayers, come on, man. Mate, I, I, you know, I don't take it for granted one little bit. It was, it was coming straight from, you know, everything they said was straight from personal experiences. And like you said, yeah, I, I could tap into and ask them any question I, I, I want, really, to do with music and they, to be. To, to be in a room when they sort of reply back and give you even one second of their time, let alone a week, is 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 just ridiculous, you know. But I think by the time Patty Austin left, we were, I was calling her auntie. <laughs> it, it, was, it was it was that dude, and I had all the all the stories about you know um, Quincy Jones, who's her godfather, and. and you know, I heard all about sort of the young Bill Cosby, and you know, it was, we were, we were, we were really further on that bit, but it, it's you know, it was just absolutely amazing to, to, to meet all these 
people and it definitely inspired me to do what what I do now really right so I have to ask you had the attention of all these people one person I'm definitely interested in is Roy Ayers you know yeah. can you share like one of the nuggets or some of the nuggets that you learned from Roy Ayers as far as production is concerned well I, I yeah I said to him um <laughs> I was like, all those, all those strings on your album, mate, all those, all those string arrangements. I said, that must take ages to work out. And he said, he said, no, 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 not, not at all. He said, uh, he said there was a guy who lived down the street from me, and uh, he was a string arranger, and he was an alcoholic, and all he did was sort of get drunk and toe up all the time, in his words. <laughs> and he said that he just literally go to him at the end of the day and, and hand him these tapes and say, just write something over that. And every morning he would deliver the sheet music to the studio and just drop it down and leave. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And then they'd hire in, they'd hire in a complete orchestra and, uh, or, or whatever they needed and just execute the strings as he wrote them. And he said he used him just constantly through his Polydor uh, agreement and you know, he, he basically had a studio, uh, had all access to Polydor Studios and Electric Ladyland as well. And that happened for about a good 10, 15 years. He could do whatever he wanted every single day, which is crazy. He said there are tapes and reels and reels of stuff that just have never been released. And, I, you know, to me, that I find that I, I almost want to try and go there and find it. Right. <laughs> You know, it always seems criminal that, that it, it's just crazy, absolutely crazy. That is crazy. So at this point, you know, you're overseas. Before we touch on Solar Coaster, yeah. you're also collaborating with some American artists. I know you did a promo remix project for Jody Watley. Yes, that was a couple of years ago, yeah. I, I had a, a guy that sort of feeds me remixes sometimes he sometimes has opportunities come up his name is Steve Ripley he works with a lot of independent soul artists over here and does the PR and, uh, for, for them all and sends it all out to the radio stations and stuff and sometimes artists want to remix and I think he was looking after Jodie Watley at the time and um, he, he sent her something that I did and she really liked it and then I got an email from just Jodie Watley out of the blue which was which just messed my head up a little bit um, and yeah she asked me if I wanted to do this concept called Nightlife and can I do like a, a soulful disco mix of it and I said yeah I did the soulful disco mix and she really liked it and then she sent me an email saying that um, she was doing the cleaning in her house and uh, she had uh, the um, Phyllis Hyman um, oh god I've forgotten the name of the track how embarrassing I did like a, the classic soul remix was based on a Phyllis Hyman um, that used to love me. Uh, what was it? I can't remember. I tell you what, that's terrible. Um, it will come to me in a minute. <laughs> but she, was, she had that classic joint in her head, and and she said, "Could you sort of do something similar with it?" And so, so I, I I did something similar, and then she said, "I have that mix as well." So there was two different mixes. One's the classic soul mix, and one's the rare group mix. Both available on iTunes, I believe. No doubt. So make sure you pick that up. Jody Wiley and Soul Persona on iTunes. Nightlife. And then after that, she she asked me if I'd like to produce a track in her album. And that's what I did. Sanctuary. 
support for it. And that, that, I really like that tune. That was a, a really nice track to work on. Brilliant vocal. While you're working with Jody Watley, are you thinking about Dick Grippy, Solar Records, The Silvers? What was the direction you took when you approached the tracks? With the exception of the Phyllis Hyman joint, the direction she provided. You know, what, what were you thinking about when you were crafting these tracks with Jody Wiley? I was just very aware that she was, like, she is Shalimar, really. And I, I was a huge fan of Shalimar, so I still am. And it, I, I was just thinking, if I do something, it's got, it can't sound just like Shalimar, but it's got to have some Shalimar, sort of early 80s influence in it. Or it's got to be really soulful. I mean, everything I do, I hope, is pretty soulful. That's what I try and get. Soul mixed with a bit of jazz. And, you know, for the stuff like that, it's got to have a nice beat. Because I know she's a dancer, and I, I know she's a choreographer. And I wanted a kind of beat which I could see her sort of dance to, or a bass line. I know she'd probably get down to it if it, if, if it was on. So those are the sort of elements I'm thinking of. It's all a, a hip shaker. We're going to be, we're going to be all right. You know, in addition to working with Jody Watley, you also worked with Charlie Wilson, basically the lead singer of the Gap Band, presently yeah. Charlie last name Wilson. Okay, the same guy who linked me up with uh, Jody Watley, and he said that Charlie was looking for a UK remix, and uh, I think he sent it out to about, I don't know, he told, he told me he sent it out to about 20 different people, so the, the, the heat was on, so... <laughs> I, I, I basically did that remix and sent it over and they liked one of the best, which was good for me. Yeah, then, then I sort of had a chat with him. This, this is the best part for me, though. I, I had to have a Skype conversation with his management. And so I I, I, I get off of Skype and I, I'm chatting to this guy and I see a guitar in the background and sort of just instruments and things. And I said to him, so what, do you uh, do you play as well? And he went, yeah, yeah, I'll play too. He lives in LA. And I was like, all right, so then anyone I know? And he said, yeah, you, I was the band leader of, uh, and guitarist of Pleasure back in the day. Oh, man. It's on McLean. I didn't put two and two together. And he now sort of manages Charlie Wilson as well, to do his own solo career. And uh, my jaw nearly fell off and hit the floor, and we just hit it off big time and then we've been been working together ever since really he features on quite a lot of my tracks on the new album and the last Pass Forward album too and uh, I I featured doing some drum programming and some keys for him on his album last year so it's a lovely relationship and of course an absolute legend and Pleasure just happens to be one of my favourite all time bands of ever so it's weird what goes around sort of comes around I tell you what, man, we're going to take a break. We're going to go into I Still Have You, Charlie Wilson, I Still Have You, the Soul Persona remix. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Solar Coaster, your remixes, your projection aesthetic, and of course, we're going to talk about momentum. Yeah. Stay tuned to the Diamond Soul Experience, and we'll be right back with Soul Persona. Yeah, don't touch up, though. <laughs> Dollars and a home 
Soul.com. This is the Diamond Soul Experience. I am DJ Radu. I'm also speechless from all the information I'm finding out about Soul Persona. I had no idea when I went into this conversation we'd be referencing Pleasure, Jody Watley, 
Oliver Cheatham, Patty Austin. I'm so pleased to have you on the show tonight. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm pleased to be here. I stopped you before 2009, Solar Coaster. <laughs> on that project, one of my favorite singers, Deborah Jordan, appears on this project. Yeah. And this is actually 2009 is when I actually first found out about you. Well, as I said, at the time I was I, I was sort of hustling a bit, driving vans, and then I was also teaching sort of music production at a college, and I'd, I'd done that to sort of, sort of subsidise myself. I went through a few really bad jobs, but my the only thing that really kept me going was the fact that I knew that when I get home I could work on this sort of collection of songs which I'd been putting together for the past sort of couple of years. And the first, my first thing was, I, I, I had all these these songs. Now, Solar Coaster wasn't even an album, really. It was just like a collection of songs I'd been working on. And I'd been on MySpace at the time when it was big. And I thought, I'm going to do some recruitment on MySpace. And I'm going to find some really sort of unknown singers to work with. Because um, I, I kind of like the whole unknown thing. I'm, I'm more into that. And the, the, the internet was a bit of a novelty back then. So... I got in touch first with Princess Freesha because I, I came across her profile and what I heard and it just, just was so good. It was, I just had to send her a, a message and say, I love your stuff and would you like to sing all of my tunes? And, you know, one thing led to another and she said, yeah, that's great. And then she wrote Candy Wrapper and that just took my head off. And so I, I said, oh, there's another one I've got. So I gave her about three or four, I think, of that album. And then at the same time, I met Darian. We, we befriended each other and we started talking and then I sent him an instrumental, which was Can't Hide. And he did that. And then he, I had another one called Don't, you know, the Don't Go one. He did that as well. And um, I was like, wow, so I've got like four songs in it or four or five or six songs. And then I met Rep Life because I'd always been talking to, to Daniel for, for a while. And he then came over to the UK to visit some friends and the friends he was visiting were uh, was Deborah Jordan because he featured on something with Deborah Jordan I believe and he brought he stayed at my house for a couple of days then he went down to stay with Deborah Jordan then he brought Deborah Jordan back and we recorded the track Home from her album no his album I think that, that song um, yeah Home we recorded that one and then I sort of got a connection with her and I said, oh, I've got a couple of tracks if you're interested. And she said, yeah, send them over. So that's how I met Deborah Jordan. Yeah, that's how I met her. And who else is on that album? Sybil Thrasher um, is from Ramp, obviously. Uh, did you know that? No, I did not know that. Uh, I actually spoke to their drummer, John Manuel, before, but I forgot about Sybil Thrasher. Wow. <laughs> well, this is the other funny story because I found John Manuel from Ramp uh, at, at that time as well. And that's, of course, one of my favourite bands too. And I couldn't believe that they were still around, for one. And then I think it was six months later, I got them over to the UK to perform at Jazz Refreshed in the Jazz Cafe. And I reunited Ramp. And, and, and there was just the bass player wasn't there, but I filled in with some of my band members to sort of you sweeten the deal and it was just an absolutely mind-blowing experience to to even be a part of the whole ramp thing and the people over here when they they, they hadn't played since 1977 together 
and they did their first gig in London in this little bar which full of rare groove music lovers um, it's a night called Jazz Refreshed that we have over here and uh, they're now a label as well but they just take the best sort of soul jazz funk sort of groups and every week just purists come down and, and watch it so I think they were a little bit taken aback when they, they started playing um, Daylight Okay, you know, those legendary guitarists. The minute that came in, the whole crowd started shouting, Rewind. So I think it's a London thing over here. <laughs> rewind, rewind. And they thought they were being booed off stage and they looked really worried. And someone had to go up and explain to them that, I don't know, they want you to start again. And <laughs> the atmosphere was just so electric. And, you know, from, from that meeting, I really got on with Sybil, one of the singers. And, yeah, I just I, I wrote a track and I sent it to her and she came back with In Your Eyes, which I thought was just genius what she did with that, just mental. And then and then we did the... Um, oh, imagine. Yeah, we did two tracks. Yeah, Imagine, that's it, Imagine. And, uh, yeah, that's how I got Sybil on there. Uh, Rep Life because I sort of spoke to him anyway. So that was the whole, I think that was the whole gambit. Oh, Juliet Ashby, Get My Shit Together, that track. That, she's actually uh, Amy Winehouse's best friend. That, that was a bit mental as well, because you, she'd be on the phone to Amy Winehouse when we were doing the session and stuff, and obviously she passed a few years later. But um, yeah, I've not really worked with her since that. I think she's gone off and she does, she's got a reggae career now. So yeah, that was the, that was the full lot really. It just blew up more than I could ever imagine. <laughs> I know you said it was just a collection of songs. You released it as an album, and it blew up. I mean, people, you know, respect you. They know you. They know your music. When when you released the album, what were you expecting? Was it just a passion project? I just want to share my music with the world, or was it I really want to get some type of attention, like a label deal from this? No, I didn't. I didn't want a label because be, it had been instilled into me by. You know, my peers, the Jocelyn Browns and whatnot, that, you know, you always keep your own masters and, and never give your masters away to anyone and just, you know, just just always look after your own music. So I didn't want a label and it was a labour of love. I, I had absolutely no expectations. When I when I, I often say to people when I when I bought the CDs and I, I went and bought, I got five hundred cut in little sort of cardboard wallets and when I picked them up, I was laughing to myself because I thought, yeah, these will be like proper coasters in years. <laughs> and Or I'll be tiling my bathroom with them or something. And I literally put out a post on Facebook in the morning. And I said, oh, by the way, I've done, I've done an album. You can get it here. And the CDs are available on this little blog that I wrote. And it was just ridiculous. Throughout the day, it was just CD after CD after CD after CD. And I, I sold like 500 in about, I said about three weeks. And I was like, wow. So I had to get another 500 and I've got through them and I've, it's never been available since. <laughs> only online, only online. But yeah, so that, that, that was really good because, you know, it got, it, because of the internet, it got all over the world and, you know, I'm not a huge artist by any stretch of the imagination. I don't really have a PR team working behind me. It's just me, myself and I, really, and the artists that are involved. So it's all a word of mouth, I'd say. Earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that you didn't have anybody to sing on your tracks. 
you mentioned Princess Freesia first when you spoke about Solar Coaster, but you guys are frequent collaborators, you know, working on complete albums together. I think she's been on pretty much every album we've done. You know, can you talk about your relationship and, you know, why she's such a frequent collaborator on your projects? Of course. Well, you know, we're, we, we, are, uh, we are partners as well as musical partners, which helps uh, sort of evolve over that the past few years. And, um, yeah, we sort of got into the music and then, you know, one thing led to another and now we live together and um, we, we music together. And obviously she makes her own music and I make mine, but with her, I, I just love what you get from her. It's, it's, you just never know what you're going to get from her. That's the, the lovely thing about working with Freesha, because you'll, you'll, you know, I'll give her a groove and I just will never, ever know what's going to happen with it. But every single time, nails it. It's, it's, it's just imaginative, it's clever, it's got full of different words, metaphors, similes, you've really got to sort of break it down like a Da Vinci code, it's, it's, it's just manic and I, I just love her imagination and her musical mind really, so that, it just always works, it's just a good combination, you know. Definitely, I asked you about possibly wanting a label deal, you know, what was your inspiration when you released Sol Solar Coaster? And you spoke about only retaining your masters and knowing the business, but you're you you've also been a label head, DigiSoul, as well as SPR. Can you talk about having your own label? Yeah, the, la the label again was a labor of love, really, or a label of love. <laughs> it, it was just an outlet for me to sort of introduce my 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 musical friends, you know, and and put out a fair deal, just get them, you know, a standard deal like, you know, I'll get you some CDs and I'll help promote it and we'll just go 50-50. And, you know, that works because everyone's sort of on the same page, everyone's sort of contributing and there's no greed. It was just like a 50-50 deal. And, um, you know, we put out Carl Hudson's album as well, who plays on a lot of my stuff, a wonderful, wonderful keyboard player and pianist and composer and um, yeah if you haven't got that check out Zoology for Martians have you got that album? No, I, I'm going to send you that album you, it, it, <laughs> it is just some of the most insane jazz funk you will, you will ever hear it's it sounds like a record that you'd found in a record bin from 1973 and it's a concept album about aliens landing on the planet and it sounds a bit far out but this album Zoology for Martians Carl Hudson if that album isn't in your collection it, it, it needs to be it's a it's a wonderful album I'll send it to you so we put his album out too and I think that after a while I was I was putting out so many other people's music I kind of forgot about mine a bit and so we decided to not not finish DigiSoul completely because it was a project I, I started with my brother who did all the design and stuff and he began to get a bit busy with his work because he's a, a creative designer and we just couldn't put enough time into it so we sort of put it on hold might come back in a few years but that's when I started my SPR imprint, which is Soul Persona Recordings, which I just put my own stuff out and Freesha's stuff out. And if anything else that I see that I'm really, really passionate about, I'll, 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 I'd consider that as well. So, yeah, it takes a lot of time and, and looking after different artists can be quite time consuming. So I, I, I've got back into 
making music like properly full time again. So I'm I'm happy that's happened. So it's you know it's 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 a double ended sword, isn't it, or whatever you call it, <laughs> or sight. <laughs> <laughs> right. I tell you what, man. I really want to talk about momentum mm. as well as some other things. So we're gonna take a break. We're gonna go into your remix of Jamiro Choir's "Too Young to Die" oh, right. and come back <laughs> and come back right here on the Diamond Soul Experience. Nice. Everybody, don't want no war, no, 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 no. We're too young to die. So many people. your brother proud what's the motive Soul.com. This is the Diamond Soul Experience. I'm chilling out with my new favorite person, man. Well, well favorite persona. <laughs> soul persona. <I> like <laughs> wow, man. You're just giving us so much information, man. So much, so many things I did not know. Wow. We just finished jamming to Jamiroquai, Too Young to Die, the Soul Persona remix. I actually had to put it up from Hear This. I initially heard it on SoundCloud. And it was just so funny because I saw a Facebook post and you were speaking about how your SoundCloud account was terminated. 
and not yeah. too long thereafter, my SoundCloud account was terminated as well. So you were one of the first people I, I heard even speak about that. How has that affected you? First of all, you might want to put a beep on this, but I'm SoundCloud because all they do is, it, you know, it defeats the point of, of why they even started it. And it was a means for, for independent musicians and people who like doing re-edits and things like that to harmlessly just share music without selling it and turn people on to new music. You know, half the time, if somebody did a re-edit and it's a good one, the, the, the point is, is that you're going to want to go and find that record and buy it and support it. So, you know, Sony got involved and and it all went up, or the way of the pair as we say over it. And, you know, it's a swear word in this house, SoundCloud. I, I, I don't even want to waste my breath on them because I think it's shameful what they've done. And I, I, I just, you know, I spent the past six years building up a really sort of strong following of people on there. And, and how dare they take it away from you? I suppose you're the same as well. It's, it's, it's absolutely, you know, it, it, it just made no sense. It, it ended with me having to try and prove that I wrote my own compositions. And because they weren't satisfied with the information I gave, which was all my, you know, mechanical royalty numbers and things like that, that still wasn't good enough, so they terminated my account. So, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want my blood? Do you want to sort of, what, what, what do you want? You know, what, what more can I do to prove that I wrote my own music when I've got an album out and it's got IRSC codes and everything that I gave to them and then they just don't, it just bamboozles me really, but you know what, I'm over it, it's uh, one of those things, you know, their loss, my gain. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you using their social media presence now? You know, with the lack of SoundCloud. Well, I went on to Heart This, as you said, and, you know, it's, I haven't got a largest following ever on there, um, like I did in the last one um, on SoundCloud, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just a place to put your music up if you, if, you, if you want to put it up there, but I think now with all the, all the releases I put out anyway, go on to things like Spotify and people share and anywhere, I don't, you know, I'm not stupid, you can't sort of put out an album and expect people not to download it and, you know, share it, you just got to put that down to, that's that's my promo probably, you know, because, you know, if, if 10 people download it for free, you never know, they might tell 20 people that buy it, so I think it's one of those things now, you've just got to, you just got to accept it, and I think it is promo, I think the more people that hear your stuff, the more opportunities happen. Because with every album, an opportunity comes along that you didn't have before. And it's really the opportunities that we make our money from, more so than the music that's sold. So I think you've got to keep an open mind as an independent artist. I mean, personally, I, I love, I thrive off being in control of everything. And I love getting the CDs done, the vinyl done, and having them in my house, and me sending them off every time an order comes in, and going to the post office and giving it that personal touch, you know. And the honesty is there because I trust myself, and nobody else is taking that control out of my hands. And I'd, I'd, I'd do that even if I was selling 2,000 a week, I'd still happily go and post them because, you know, what a builder, for instance, he built a house, and you know that's his job. This is my job. I have to make the music, then I have to sell it. So, you know, I, I, I thrive on, on all of that. I love it. So I don't think I'd have it any other way, to be honest. I love the way you describe Carl Hudson's Zoology for Martians album. 
You said it sounds yeah. like an album you found in a record band from 1973. You know, that's mm. actually how I would describe Momentum, your your latest album, your recent release. All right. Wow, man. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I've, I've been a fan of yours for you know basically six years now. I always love that rare groove feel that yeah. you play to your albums, and you know, it's when you when you're speaking about. Jocelyn Brown and you know and she can change and you know Oliver Cheatham and Roy Ayers you can hear those things in your album. Oh, totally, totally. They're, they're, they're my huge inspirations. Leon Ware as well. Um, it, you know, it, 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 it's that it's that sound. I think really from listening to all that stuff, I, I, I think I've just got I take elements from each artist. And and somehow it just kind of comes out as as you hear it, really. On, on this album, are you are, are you playing instruments yourself, or is it your band that's playing compositions that you created? Um, well, I do all the programming, and I play a lot of keyboards and synths on the album. But I like for the for the more intricate parts, I'll, I'll I, I mean I record it all in my house, but then I'll sort of drive to London and I'll do a session with Carl Hudson on a Fender Rhodes. And, and and a profit synth, and he'll put down loads of lovely embellishments over the top of what I've done. And uh, you know, I, I, then I'll go to my friend Terry Lewis, who lives in Brighton, where I'm from, and he's also in a great band called Mama's Gun, which are a superb band. And I'll, I'll go around his house, and he'll he'll plug in his guitar, and I'll sort of riff to him what I want, and he'll, and, and he'll play it. And then I'll go somewhere else, and I'll I'll get something a, a bass part from Punk Papa. He'll come over, or I'll go to him, and I'll sort of play in the demo, and then I'll tell him to be himself, and he'll he'll do what he does, and then I'll just come home and I'll add and tweak, and I program all the drums on everything, and um, you know I just put it all together, and I'm a strong believer if uh, of you know if I can't do something good enough myself, I'm going to get somebody that can really really do it well, you know, because I think that's where all the the little intricacies come in, you know, the lovely little keyboard runs and things, which I can't necessarily do. I'm a very block chord sort of person. I play play chords and little twinkles here and there, but Carl just, you know, he paints the canvas just just beautifully, and I, I love I love working like that. I love working with other creative people that get what I'm doing, and they're you know essentially they're all inspired by the same music as me as well. We're all into the same stuff, so. I don't really have to give much direction because they they know where they're going anyway. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really cool that you guys have a place to convene, you know, jazz refresh and just really soak up that music because that's not something that we really have here. Everyone wants what's current, you know. They don't really look back to an extent. Like you get samples, was funny nowadays. You know, samples are songs from the late 90s it's a cat i think his name is tory lorenz no he sampled brownstones say it where we come from (laughs) right you know on momentum you have some of the usual suspects princess freesia deborah darian but you have some new collaborators on this one pete simpson yes pete wonderful soul here i first heard pete um well i met him years ago actually through jocelyn because he was her background vocalist for, for a stint and um then i noticed he did a lot of house music session vocal stuff with like john cutler and people like that 
and um, Pete Kuzma as well, who was the keys player for Jill Scott, I believe. And he did a few sort of bits and bobs of that. And then he did the Sunburst Band, which uh, Joe Negro's band, which was fantastic. And then he did this one album with Domu. Um, I've forgotten what the album's called. It's called Pete Simpson and Domu. It's a wicked album, one of the best albums ever. And I was just completely sold by his voice. It's just amazing. And then we sort of met again by chance because a DJ gave me his number. Boy, no, they gave him. He called me. That's it. He sent me a text and said, "Hi, this is Pete. Do you want to do some stuff together?" Which was like, oh, "Yeah, of course I do." So we over the past sort of three or four years, we we'd sort of written those songs on momentum. Unfortunately, in t- 2013, he developed leukemia, and so he was extremely ill in 2013. And then he built himself back to good health and then he's he's just been told now he's got to have a bone marrow transplant and he, he's currently in chemotherapy again he's very poorly so I've started a fund for him over here at the moment and we're going to do a night of rare groove music in London at a top nightclub and we're going to sort of do, give all the proceeds to to getting him better because you know he, he has to be back out there making music so you know we look after our own so we're going to just look after him make sure he's all right but a wonderful soul and I mean you've probably never heard of him before right? I heard of him through Jazzanova oh yes he did that yes Mm -hmm. so I was surprised when I saw that you had begun sharing a Facebook status that you were working with him so I was really anticipating hearing the album so I could see what you did with him. He said these tracks that, that we did together, he, he said that's just his flavor and that he said they're the, the best tracks he's ever done, which was just a completely honor for me to hear him say that. But, you know, he, he really hits that early Marvin Gaye, Leon Ware kind of vibe and just does it perfectly. You know, one for the ladies, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your goal when you set out working on momentum. I mean, at this point, it's six years after Solar Coaster. You know you have a following. You know what people like. So when you decided to begin working on momentum, what was your mindset? Oh, God, it was it was, it was was a point where I had to put something out because obviously being a musician full-time and not being able to do any other job because you're not taking seriously anything else. I mean, me and Parisha were both applying for jobs. I was applying for a driver again and... You know, we had to pay the rent, and suddenly I was like, you know what, we've got to go back to to what we know we can do. So I set up another pledge campaign, and it's just that bit where I set it all up, and then you get the go button, and they're like, oh my god, I've given myself three months to produce an entire album. Am I ready for this? And then you press the go button, and literally in three months, that's when I did. I grouped all the tracks I wanted together. And then I went out and executed all the sessions with the various musicians over a period of, you know, a few weeks. And then Frisha wrote two of them in those in that time, two or three I think she wrote in that time. And Deborah Bond, um, she 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 delivered one. That was the last one I got. And uh, th- there was one track which I really really wanted someone to do, and it, it, and I couldn't find the right vocalist for it. And I was like, oh, this track's really got to go on here. And then I had a, a message from Tahira Asher Memory from, obviously, Jared Lawson fame. And uh, she said a DJ who I know had spoken to her and said that I'm looking for somebody to sing on a track. 
and she said, send it over. So I was like, wow. And 48 hours later, she delivered me Live and Learn, which was just like mind-blowing in itself. And, <laughs> and, and so all this was sort of coming together, and then suddenly, you know, right at the last minute, Deborah Bond delivered her one. And uh, it was ready, ready to go. So I got it mastered and, and it went out. So it was a bit of a whirlwind, really. It was, it was against the clock. And it was also against the clock lifetime-wise because, you know, we, we just completely run out of money, basically. And th th this, this is, we need, you know, I called it momentum to try and put a bit of momentum into, into our lives, you know, because I think everybody needs a bit of momentum in their lives. And I'm not joking, since, since this album's come out, so many absolutely amazing things have happened, not, not even financially amazing, but just like meeting some new people and, you know, building friendships and I, I, I just don't know, it's like all these opportunities are suddenly to sort of coming through again and uh, yeah, it was definitely a momentous occasion and, and I, I want to just keep on building it really and people like yourself are helping me do that so I, I really appreciate it. Okay, my favourite track. Go on. <laughs> my favourite track. Is right in time. Ah, yeah. Can you can, <laughs> you, can you talk about that track? Well, that that track was that was done ages ago. That was one of the first ones. That's about three years old, and I just had the music, and I think it was some guitar by Chance Hayden, who's also on in Jared Lawson's band. He lays some guitar down on it, and I thought, well, it doesn't need to be like a complete song. So I thought we'd just get some some riffs going on in it. And I said to Freesha, I said, can you write anything to that? And uh, she just came up with these lovely sort of shuck attack harmonies, you know. Right. Not, not, it wasn't about anything in particular. It was just like what she heard in her head. <laughs> it just came out of that. Which, which uh, you know, it just works, doesn't it, really? It does, it does. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the story about Faso's Riding High. Oh, I love Faso. No, go on, tell me. And uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but he was just saying that they were literally, they were driving, they were driving down the highway. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and he was like, <laughs> like, everything that's in the song with things that were happening as they were driving down the highway. Like the, the line where he said, there's a fuck in the breezeway. He said somebody pooty. It's a fuck in the breezeway, you know. And, you know, we, we speak about, you know, Kreezer and, you know, just making up these lyrics. It can just make me think of that. But it's, it's like that. And, and the, the other interesting fact about that tune was when I first did it, I got, obviously got Carl to do that lovely keyboard solo at the end. And I, I remember just pressing record. There was a solo here. And what you hear was all done in one take. One take. And there's, there's a gap. Uh, there's a gap in it. Like, it, it does half a solo, and then there's a gap, and then he comes back in at an odd time, which I really like. And it was literally, he was he, he, he was having a puff in that little, um, that little section there, wow. and then went back to it. <laughs> I love little things like that. But that solo is a beast of a solo. It's just... That's, that's a fantastic it. song. That's my favorite song on the album. Possibly my favorite song of the, of the second half of 2015. Definitely. Oh, nice one. <laughs> I know it's like a it, it's like an undercover track because 
it, although I love that track, I, I didn't think it would be as popular as it has been. A lot of people really liking that. And I mean, to me, it reminded me a bit when I did it. I didn't record it like this, but it, it almost reminded me a bit of. Remember the 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 uh, um, the intro on Maxwell's album, ah, the, yeah. the Urban Hang theme. Yeah. You know, it it, it it sort of set. It's got that sort of ambience where it, where it sets you up nicely for the rest of the album. You listen to that and you think, oh, this is going to be a good album. <laughs> this is happening. I'm going to enjoy the rest right. of it because that's what I try and do. I want that excitement back in music. You know, where you hear something. And my my whole thing is like, whatever track is going, the next one's either got to be be better or it's got to, it, it's got to be as good. And if it isn't as good, then I, I don't really sort of want to put it on there. So, Persona, since we've been talking, man, I have a page full of notes. <laughs> I mean, I have names of artists, names of albums, things you said. But there was one thing you said at the beginning of the conversation. You said that you were at a spot and you were fighting a lot and you really wanted to get into the music. And, and you moved. And you began, to, you began to concentrate on the music. Do you, do you totally. feel like the music had a higher purpose for you? Just from moving, you met up with Jocelyn Brown, Roy Ayers, Charlie Wilson, Jody Wiley, Pleasure. Yeah. All these things are taking place. Well, it, it's the like I said, it's the only thing I've ever been really sort of good at, I think. And it, I, I had no expectations when I moved to London that any of this would happen. I mean, I used to see friends of mine and other people and, and then getting really lucky breaks and me wishing, like, oh, if only that could happen to me. Um, and I never thought it would, but, you know, you, you, you then sort of... Well, it still hasn't really happened, as I've seen some people take off, but, you know, I've got, I've got my own individual thing, and everyone that I work with, it, it, it's, it's just an individual thankfulness that, that things have happened, you know, and it's just the wild route it took, I suppose. Uh, it, it's just, you know, I, I never set out to work with Jocelyn Brown. I, ne- I never set out to meet any of these people. But I think through the music I make, it's it's almost attracted my idols, which which is is just crazy even to think about it because I've probably met and spent time with nearly every single idol I've I've ever had, which not a lot of people can say that. And it's not like a name dropping thing. It's not me gloating about anything it, 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 it's the fact that it's just happened and you know it, it, I, I don't know how it's happened I've, I have no idea but I just think in my head it's probably because you know I'm so passionate about this style of music and not a lot of people sort of do the sort of style I do either so I think, I think I'm, I've got my, my little thing going on you know, in a way but that's just the way I think about it <laughs> So what is it about this style of music that speaks to you? Why do you want to share this style of music? Well, you know when you listen to songs like from back in the day and you'll hear that sort of, that, that, that bridge part or that intro part and then suddenly it goes a little bit rubbish after that and you think, oh, why didn't they stick on that really nice groove? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. When you get that sort of sweet spot bit. I, I, I always wanted to make music that was just a constant sweet spot. You know, it's got to have, for me, a, a groove, a good groove. It's got to have a nice beat. It's got to have, it's got to have a really nice bass line, just really sort of pocket bass line. 
pocket drums. Um, it's got to have Fender Rhodes in it, whatever. I, I, that, that's just everything I do has Rhodes in it. And it's got to have some nice guitar licks and picks and stuff. And I, I'm just really looking forward to being able to afford to build my sound because I know given the capabilities, I, I want live horns, I want string arrangements. And I, I know that, that that's my destiny. That's, that's where I want, want to be. Whether it happens or not is another thing, but that, that is... You know, I want to be in a Quincy Jones situation where you're in a studio recording for somebody and putting everything you've got into it, you know. And, and, and really, I say it a lot of times, I've not really even started yet because I still feel like I, I haven't really come out of the blocks because, I don't know, I've, I've got another four albums I'm working on at the moment for the future. And we've already sort of done the whole demos to the next Princess Freesha and Soul Persona album, uh, which is a 70s-inspired album. So, you know, I... I I've got so much I want to do, and, and and a sound which which is based on this sound, but could be so much better if I was given an opportunity. Frustrating, mate. Frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> so, how can contacts potential artists get in contact with you? Just on, on on Facebook, really. I think I do most of my my business on Facebook. People normally re- reach out to me on there. Most of my work comes from Facebook or it used to from SoundCloud, but more Facebook. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how people normally get in touch, like your good self. <laughs> you mentioned that you, you have this destiny. I cannot wait to hear what you do next. I'm definitely a fan. I've enjoyed your projects and just, you know, I want to hear more from you. Oh, thank you, mate. I really, I really appreciate that. And, I, and I, I'm really thankful for this. You're in Atlanta, right? I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh right! Well, I know all the. I was on the Neo Soul Cafe a few weeks okay. ago, and I was, I was, I was, I was actually really surprised at the amount of people in the US that actually listen to my stuff. So I'm just really <laughs> thankful that, that it's it's managed to tap into an audience over there. Most of them were from Atlanta, I should right. say. But to know that I've got I've, I've got followers in Birmingham, Alabama is even even better. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, man. Well, you spoke about wanting your music to have that sweet spot. Everlasting Groove yeah. So to take us out of here man We're going to go into Riding Time Yeah <laughs> <laughs> And ride that groove on out man uh, Do you know what I'm down Alright man thanks again Soul Persona Thank you for the music Thank you for your time And thank you for Submitting to the music And doing what it tells you to uh, Seriously th- Thank you for Even wanting to Give me a call And talk about it Absolute pleasure Alright, well here we go, riding time, Soul Persona, Diamond Soul Experience, stay tuned.
Diamond Soul Experience with DJ Rod. Keep it low, no same love.
you're listening to the Diamond Soul Experience with DJ Radu.
speaking the plays, the radios controlling the DJs. Ain't this supposed to be the other way around? WABL, new rules, new radio. Some of your brown sugar. I want 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 some of your brown sugar. I want
coming right down to my knees. And whenever you let me hit it, sweet like honey when it comes to me. Skin is caramel with the cocoa eyes. Even got a big sister by the name of Chocolate. Brown sugar, babe. I guess high off of love. Don't know how to behave.
try and run from yourself When you know that you need something else To help you get through all the things in your life You gotta hold on You may think that you're strong But sometimes things go wrong When you feel there's no way out And you're left on your own Don't try and fight it Don't live in your head Stop living in your head Stop living in your head You gotta live your life
Trying to get her to my bed, enough said Elevate to the pen, chill music Calm before a storm came and went Off on the spiral staircase till ten Now I look over my city feeling like a president Hell yeah, I paid my dues Now I'm piffing grapefruit, looking at a great view Now towel under the door, that's what I tip the waiter for Bit of piff, bit of drink, now I'm getting bring a lot Destination, I can take you to it live. Introduce her, elevate the music. If you love us, we'll be rap and you can blaze it to the light. The science says no smoking. The smoke pours out when the door opens I don't give you a shit cause this lemon is so potent that even if I wasn't, they think that I'm still talking that. I rock, rock the party. Doggy in the lift with a hot, hot tamale. Five star telly, you're a top notch apartment. I hot box the lift, then I hot rock the carpet. That's that elevator music. Crack some Jaeger open, that's my creative juices. And I sip it down. Slippers in the gown, women on the couch in the penthouse with the D.S. out. Elevator music, elevator music. If you want a destination, I can take you to it like introduce it. Sign says no smoking, honey to my side, ripping my shirt like Hulk Hogan. Four stars. A musical experience like no other. 
the Diamond Soul Experience. WABL New Blues, New Radio. BamaLoveSoul.com. <laughs> 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 <laughs>